Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Rich here. Listen, when you're thinking about the end of this year and thinking about next year, have you stopped, slowed down, and wonder what do your guests see when they arrive at your church? Listen, this is something we all need to be doing in this season. We need to be really looking at what we're doing when guests come through the door. We need to be thinking about it from their perspective. We need to be ready to welcome more people than we ever have before. And you know, our friends over at the architecture and design firm RisePoint want to help you ensure that your facilities are aligned with the mission and vision that God has given your church. How do you do that? Well, they have this incredible process where they look at all the guest touch points and decide hmm, which of these areas need to invest in or improve. It's what RisePoint calls the needs analysis. The needs analysis is a comprehensive look at your site to seat experience experience through the lens of first-time guests. It starts with in-person meetings, getting to know your church, evaluating your signage, your interiors, your branding, your flow, etc., and culminates in a very detailed report, including budget options and recommendations. Listen, if you want to learn more, go over to RisePoint, that's R-I-S-E-P-O-I-N-T-E.com, and click on The Needs Analysis, or just go to theneedsanalysis.com. Let them know that you heard about it at On Seminary, and you'll get $500 off. This amazing first step tool is really powerful for understanding how your guests see your facility, gives you lots of great steps, that helps you plan for next year as you're thinking about facility and how do you align your facility with your mission. All right, let's jump in with today's episode. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. Uh, really looking forward to today's conversation. Uh, I think this is going to be one of those conversations you're going to want to lean in on. Every week we try to bring you a leader who will both inspire and equip you, and today is absolutely no exception to that. We've got Zeb Cook. He is the lead pastor at a church called Apex Baptist Church. It's located in North Carolina. They have both services online and in person. Started in the 1870s. I think this is one of the oldest churches that we've talked to. You know, I'm, I, it's so funny. My, most of my ministry career has been like, we feel like an old church when we've been around for five years. Uh, Apex has been around for a long time. Uh, Zeb, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. This is going to be great. Why don't you tell us about Apex? Give us kind of a bit of the story, a bit of the flavor. Uh, yeah, why don't we start there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, me personally, I'm a lifelong Florida resident, and mm-hmm. man, I'm coming up on two years being the the lead pastor here in Apex. So, uh, this is all fairly new to me, but I can give you a little mm-hmm. bit of context of of what I've what I've discovered since I've been here, and a little bit of what I know of the church. So, it, it's super old. Yeah, church has been around forever. When, when the mm-hmm. town started, the church started kind of thing. Wow. Okay. And uh, yeah, yeah, pretty neat. But um, man, the, the the town here, Apex, used to be super small, but we're, we're located in the, the research triangle area, mm-hmm. Raleigh-Durham mm-hmm. area, mm-hmm. and it's booming, man. People are moving mm-hmm. from all over. So, Apex has exploded. It's continuing to grow like, like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, where we are located, it's in the old historical downtown mm-hmm. district. But it's a very vibrant um, historical downtown district. You know, you see a lot of a lot of the historical areas like that seem to be uh, all but closed down. But here, man, it's it's always teeming with people. And our mm-hmm. church is nestled right in the center of all of it. It's mm-hmm. so really a, 
a cool location. Yeah, that's cool. Well, your church is one of the fastest growing churches in the country. And, you know, leading a church is uh, is a challenge wherever you are. But I can say having led within, you know, some of the fastest growing churches in the country, I can say that adds like another level of intensity onto that. And on top of that, you're the lead pastor, gosh, and you're still sane. Uh, So why don't we talk, I'd love to talk a little bit about that. What you, when you think about kind of developing your own personal habits, own personal rhythms, why don't we start with some of the pressures? What, What would you feel on the kind of the pain side of what, what, what makes leading in the context? Text, you know, that is either unique to Apex or just is, you know, global in every church. What makes kind of leading in a church, uh, you know, kind of a dangerous thing actually can be the kind of thing that could uh, potentially be dangerous to us. Uh, why don't we start there? What, why is it so tough? Sure, man. So that's a wonderful question. So yeah, I'm in my 17th year as a, as a mm-hmm. lead pastor and, um, and started young. I was 23 years old when I, when I mm-hmm. took my first church and uh, my wife was right alongside of me the whole way. And man, we, we, we felt like we could we could run at an unsustainable pace for the rest mm. of our days because we had the <laughs> power of God in us kind of thing. Yes, yes. And uh, you, you truly do want to, you know, be there for every event. You want to be there for every uh, tragedy, just kind of help people walk through that. You obviously want to be a good leader with your staff. You want to preach the best sermons. I mean, all the things, right? Mm. And ministry just in and of itself can be incredibly uh, draining. And, and what happens is we can keep that pace for a little while. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you know, you, you hit a wall and mm-hmm. you try to, you try to mitigate that wall in a lot of different ways. Some people turn to unhealthy things. Some people lean more into the busyness of doing church, which, mm-hmm. you know, is not inherently bad, but it can become a really bad thing um, when it impacts your family negatively. And there's a lot of tentacles that are attached to it. So for me, uh, man, what I, what I found and Something that I've I've gotten better at, but am still growing in, is mm-hmm. uh, just the need to create healthy rhythms in my life and mm-hmm. ha- have a have a system of boundaries around me that that help me to you know see clearly when I'm when I'm running in an unhealthy direction. But yeah, I would say just to answer your question, man, just the the dangers of ministry um, in general. Uh, they mm-hmm. look like a lot of different things, but. They, they're always like clothed in, in good, right? And yes. I think that's probably the overarching danger is like- Yeah, it's so true, right? right? Yeah, yeah, like I'm doing this for God, right? And so, right. And so we, uh, but, but the statistics are crazy, man. And um, I mean, we, we, we've all read different things on the subject of, you know, the, the amount of people that are, that are just, you know, they've graduated from seminary and within mm-hmm. five years, they're out of ministry. I mean, the mm-hmm. stats are staggering. I think it's in the 80 percentile um, of folks that, have this MDiv degree plus and mm-hmm. within five years are gone, man. And mm-hmm. some of that is wrapped around, you know, a moral failure. Some of it's just burnout. Um, mm-hmm. But regardless, they're, you know, they, they just can't keep up. Right. Yeah. It's amazing. You, you and I seem like similar kind of age, two decades in ministry or approaching two decades in ministry. And who would have thought uh, that we would have been in rarefied air that, you know, people who actually made it to, you know, that kind of milestone where it's true. I think of a lot of folks that we, I started with, went to school with, um, you know, for one reason or another, just, you know, just aren't, aren't continuing to serve 
today. You mentioned two things. You talked about creating healthy rhythms and then a system of boundaries. Let's talk about healthy rhythms first. What does that look like for you? And um, what are some of those that have been particularly effective that have kind of um, been super helpful for you to, to kind of keep the, uh, you know, keep the burnout at bay as you're, you're serving in, in the church you're in? Yeah. Great question. So the launch pad for me was just getting really honest with myself, like mm. you know, kind of stop pretending that mm. I am Superman and I can handle it, handle it all. And <laughs> so true, it, man, it's like, for me, that was a reality. And, and the Lord used a unique season in my life to really unveil that for me. I, um, you know, we all as pastors, we face things that are, that are difficult. And we had one year in particular, um, in ministry that was really tough. Uh, just, just within the life of the church, man, I, I remember mm. that year doing so many funerals and, mm. um, I, I'm reminded of, of babies, you know, that had passed on and suicides and just really heavy, weighty, mm. uh, weighty funerals and, uh, close friends of mine, people I'd done life with, you know, um, in, this, mm. in the same season, one of my very best friends in this world, um, he, he was actually murdered. Um, oh, as a pastor gosh. and that's, yeah, that, that's a story in and of itself, but, mm. uh, leading out in, in those services and, um, just pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. I found myself one day just sitting on the couch, man, came home uh, from church. I sat on the couch, my wife's in the, in the kitchen cooking supper <laughs> and, um, and man, I, I don't cry. That's not a manly statement. It's just kind of the way I'm wired. I don't cry very mm. often. Mm -hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sitting on the couch. I start weeping. And my mm. wife looks at me and I think she seen wow. me cry one time in our, you know, in our 17 mm. years of marriage. And, mm. and, uh, and so at that point she, she turns and looks at me, man. And she's like, what is wrong with you? And mm. my answer was, was this, I have no idea. I, I don't mm. know what's wrong with me. Oh, I, wow. just, I can't reconcile everything that's happening. Just the pressure right. that I feel on me. And it was, it was for me, that was a launch pad. It was through that conversation with my wife that I got really mm. honest with myself and honest before mm. the Lord. And that branched out into me being honest with other people. Mm. And, uh, and so I was able to kind of build some healthy habits from there. I read a lot of books. Mm. Uh, there's a really good book called Reset from David Murray that was instrumental um, mm. in, in my life. But there's a lot of simple things, man. Um, mm -hmm. and, and there's a lot that could be said here. But just to, just to summarize, a lot of simple things like uh, be, being disciplined, you know, mm. instead, of, instead of having the regretted disappointment, um, mm -hmm. later on, like be disciplined today and saying, right. you know what, it's okay to say no to some things. Mm -hmm. Um, I need to make sure that I'm taking the time that I need to do the sim simple things of going to bed on time. Mm -hmm. Um, restorative slumber is really important. Mm -hmm. not, not just sleep, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yes, e eating, eating better. Um, you know, trying to get to the gym, those, those kind of simple things. And then, uh, being really cognizant of, the small compromises that can happen whenever we are depleted. Mm. And, um, you know, you and I both know people in ministry who have stepped out of ministry because of moral failures. And if not mm -hmm. for grace, we're right in that same pool. Mm -hmm. And I've mm -hmm. asked the question of those good friends of mine who, who that's happened to. And they say, man, I recognized the dragon when the dragon was small and I didn't slay it. Mm. Um, I just, I oh, fed it. Good. Right. And so, yeah, yeah. It was a thousand compromises that led to this big fall. And so for me, like building, building that into my life where I had this layer of accountability that mm -hmm. helped me whenever I was compromising in some of these areas and you know, catching it while it's small before it gets yeah. in, into a big thing. Yeah, that's good. Well, why don't we, uh, 
you know, I think a lot of us would say, yeah, rhythms are important. You know, we've, you know, whether that's working out or whether that's, um, you know, getting, like you say, eating right or, or getting enough sleep. Um, what, when you, so what have you done to actually create those rhythms to say like, okay, here's what, how have you, um, been able to kind of push through the, like going beyond, yes, that's something I should do to that's something I actually do. Like those are, um, because I think that's the, the trick for so many of us is it's like, it's, uh, it's like, we know that that's important, but it's, but man, just life seems to seep in. Uh, how have you maybe in one of those areas been able to, to, to tackle that? Yeah, man, that, that's an awesome question. I, I don't know that I'm a, a great picture of what that should look like, but I can <laughs> sure. say I'm far better than I used to be. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so, so for, for me, it was just coming to the realization of any type of commitment, like when you radically commit, the results always come, right? So mm-hmm. whether it's a diet that you're trying to follow to lose weight, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and if you just commit to it, you will see results. And mm-hmm. so I, I started thinking through, man, I, as a pastor, I've even preached about the importance of us, you know, resting and making sure that we're committing to spiritual disciplines in our life and even the working out and eating side and sleeping side, all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wasn't always really good at doing it. So it was a personal mm-hmm. commitment of saying, you know what, I, I need, I, I need to have a talk with my wife and like mm-hmm. kind of explain to her that I, I'm not, I'm not functioning in healthy rhythms right now, mm-hmm. but I, I mm-hmm. want to be. And mm-hmm. so here are some things. And I, mean, I just took a piece of paper out and here's some things I want to do. I'm going to start going mm-hmm. to bed at a decent time. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to get off all social media. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm putting my, not that not, it's an amoral thing, right? So I'm not suggesting yeah, yeah. that, no, no, that people that. should be off of social media for me, for yes. me, it was something I needed to do in that moment. Yep, totally. And so that. Th- that was one thing that I did. Um, another thing is that there's a certain time I'm going to get up every day and I'm going to be disciplined in my, my prayer life. I'm going to be not a check the box, you know, model for me, but it was like, man, I want to cultivate that relationship with Christ, mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. disciplined with my gym rhythms. I've got some guys around me who know everything about me and they love me anyway. Mm. And I, I, I'm, I'm able to, you know, not posture myself as pastor in front of them. Um, yep. and just, just to be vulnerable, be real. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my, so just a side note, my, my wife represents that so well, like she exemplifies mm. a person that, um, <laughs> has experienced the, the, the beautiful forgiveness that God has extended to us. Mm. And her testimony just speaks so beautifully to that. And so she's helped me like, Hey, vulnerability is a good thing. Like you Mm. can, you know, not that you have to just air your dirt to everybody or even get in the pulpit and and talk about everything that's wrong in your life every, every week, but that vulnerability really matters. So those are some things that I've tried to be really intentional in. So Mm -hmm. again, some pragmatic ways that, that, uh, and anybody that's listening, some ways that they can, they can lean into this is identify where the deficits are in their life. Like there Mm -hmm. may be some things they're killing, right? They're doing it really well. Mm But there may be some other areas where they say, you know what, I'm really not giving any attention to this. And mm-hmm. I just want to outline a way for me to be committed and then mm-hmm. held accountable to that. Yeah, I know on for me on one of those areas, even the kind of the going to the gym, working out, being active, disciplining myself to be being active. Like I, for years, I was like, you know, it doesn't take long to listen to high performance leaders. You realize that's a part of their lives. Like that's just a normal part of life. And Um, and I, you know, I went from being a person who doesn't like that to, if I, if I don't work out, I notice it in life. Like that's a problem. And, uh, 
for me early on, a part of it was, it was literally just the function of, okay, I got to go to the gym. I don't care what happens at the gym. It's like, <laughs> I just got to go there. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. you know, and it was like, it's just stupid workouts at the beginning and like not really worth anything. But I was like, I got to create the rhythm in my life of actually being there That's first, um, which I know was helpful. But you had also said system of boundaries. Uh, one of the things I've noticed with uh, church leaders who are grow- who are leading growing churches and have been doing it over an extended period of time is they're people of boundaries. They're not the person that's going to go to everything. They're not showing up to every, every opportunity that, that's there. Where that's not the case, frankly, of churches that are are very small that are you know are maybe less than a hundred people even. Um, those pastors who lead in those environments, it's like they're at everything. That's an interesting dichotomy to me. It Talk is. to me about the system of boundaries that you have. What does that look like? What are you saying no to? What are you saying yes to? How do you make those decisions? Yeah, it's, man, that's a that that's a that's a tough one, right? Because mm-hmm. there are some things that your heart is drawn to that you're like, mm-hmm. man, I want to make sure that I'm. I'm there for that. And then there's other things that maybe you don't connect personally as well to um, that you may want to just automatically say no to those mm-hmm. things. And so I, I think there, there has to be a balance of I can't base that on just what I want. Right. So mm-hmm. so so thinking through what's best for the faith family that, I, that I'm serving, like what are the things that I feel like I should be at as the, the under shepherd of this church? Not mm-hmm. not so much the things that I just want to do or don't want to do. Um, and, and I think that's that's the line that needs to be drawn because sometimes when people hear uh, the need to create boundaries, they just automatically look at all the things that they, they brings them life, the things that they enjoy. And then they say, I'm going to do all those things, but everything else, somebody else can handle. Mm. And when it comes to servant leadership, I just don't know that that paints the the best picture. Uh, so for me, what I do is my, my assistant is, is wonderful. And so we meet, we meet every week and just kind of talk through uh, some of the the big things that our our church has upcoming, um, mm-hmm. even some of the smaller you know things that happen week to week, and uh, we, man, we just say I have this much time, and mm-hmm. and you know, there's a day a, a full day that I block off for sermon prep. I do a mm-hmm. I do a lot of sermon prep on the other days as well, but this is a full day that we try to just really keep clean, and mm-hmm. so that's what drives a lot of this. Is unless mm-hmm. it's something like a funeral or something really important on that sermon prep day, that day stays clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I only have so much time in the other days. And so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go to the things that I can go to, um, mm-hmm. even if there's something I may not necessarily, you know, just by nature w- would be drawn to or want to go to. I do that mm-hmm. because again, as the under shepherd, I, I want people to, to know that I value them and what mm-hmm. they're doing. So I think it's just a constant assessing of, Hey, mm-hmm. I've got so many hours and, um, you know, this ministry is going to pull you away from time to time. That's just the natural rhythm of ministry. Mm-hmm. But how do you balance that out, you know, week to week and just making sure you're looking at the, the schedule in full and kind of planning ahead mm-hmm. um, and, and just being okay with saying no, like right. this last thing I'll say on this, but leaders, leaders often need to be needed, mm. which means we oh, want to know good. everything and we want to yes, be at yes. everything. And yes, um, it's just not, man, your family doesn't want you to be at everything and your family doesn't yes. want you to know, like they need you. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so just, Making making your assistant aware of that, let, letting them know where you are, letting your staff know where you are, mm-hmm. um, and that that's the expectation you have for them as well. You know, just mm-hmm. kind of keeping that balance and letting that become a, a culture of yours. Yeah, um, matters so much. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I, so I've been in that second chair. I'm, I'm not a lead pastor. I've been in the kind of executive pastor chair for 
couple decades. And I, I could say from my seat, one of the things I found, and this would be you know, for executive pastor types that are listening in, I found that a part of my job is to create that space around our lead pastor that particularly that protects that, uh, that sermon prep time, particularly that's like, you know, you, I would say all the time to our, our staff team, I would say, listen, in this case, you know, Zeb's the only one that's going to be standing in the pulpit this weekend. <laughs> and so right. we need to create space for him to do that piece. And that, and it doesn't just magically happen, you know, particularly uh, when you've been doing it for decades, it's like, gosh, it, it you've got to really, um, you know, you've got to work on that. And so, yeah, I, uh, I, I really appreciate when, when lead pastors create that space, because I really do think it's an accelerant to, um, what the Lord wants to do in our churches. I want to come back to what you said there about uh, needing to be needed. That is a fascinating dynamic, I think, particularly lead pastors face, that there's this odd thing when you're preaching, I don't know, somewhere between 35 and 45 times a year in a weird way. Like if you were Starbucks, like you are the coffee that's being sold, which is super strange. Like that's weird head game kind of stuff where um, like it's, there's this weird like micro celebrity thing that happens. How do you as a lead pastor wrestle with that? Where does that kind of fit in your headspace and in your spirit and in your kind of relationship with Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. You definitely have to fight against that, man. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think even unintentionally, man, so many of us were trying to climb the ladder of success mm-hmm. in, in ministry. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, I get the passionate side of that. I get the, man, I just want to, I want to be the best that I possibly can be and serve Jesus well. And, if that means a bigger platform, then that's awesome. I, I get mm-hmm. all of that, but I think, and the enemy is sneaky, right? And I think it's so easy for us to just walk in this uh, this level of pride that is that is so dangerous. Like we we can easily identify narcissistic pride. Like for me, that's mm-hmm. okay. You get that. You see that in people, mm-hmm. but for for so many of us, that's not how it looks. For many of us, it comes through the insecurities of who we are, right? That pride mm. wells up because we're insecure leaders. Mm. And so through that insecurity, we're trying to prove ourselves constantly and improving mm. your, in trying to prove yourself, man, you're, you know, you're trying to always put yourself in the best light. And, um, you know, it's really easy to, to, to do everything through that lens instead of, man, mm-hmm. I just want to, I want to, I want to go back to, you know, the moment in time when the Lord called me into ministry and how I mm. felt then and what was mm. driving me then. And, Mm-hmm. And I think that's a healthy thing for us to do because, it, again, it's so easy to become corporate, even mm-hmm. though we might not use that language. Like, it's easy mm-hmm. for us to do that. Um, so w- what do I do? Again, it goes back to that vulnerability and honesty with some of the people around me that they know everything mm-hmm. about me and they love me anyway. And I can say, look, I'm really struggling, man. I'm really struggling with um, you know, trying to become somebody. And mm-hmm. I know that Jesus isn't honored in that. And I want to be really careful. I don't want to walk in humility and and so just being real with that indwelling sin, right? The, the book mm-hmm. I'm, I'm reading now, John Owen, it's an old Puritan book on the mortification of sin. He's He's got mm-hmm. a line, famous quote. I'm sure you know it. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners know it, but he says this, be killing sin or it'll be killing you. So mm-hmm. that that indwelling sin, man, that uh, that's with us and it, you know, something that we walk with uh, and we will for the rest of our days mm-hmm. on this side of heaven. And so mm-hmm. I, I think it's dangerous to think that, Hey, I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy that's chasing mm. the platform or the guy that's mm. looking to be mm-hmm. somebody because it's so easy to, to become that guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I fight, I fight against that for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. But I'm reminded, man. So like my first church, I didn't tell you this mm-hmm. when I was 23. Mm-hmm. Um, crazy. So I, I was a youth pastor in Alabama, mm-hmm. call it LA, lower Alabama. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> and man, this, this church from, 
close to my hometown in Florida. And I'm raised in North Florida. They mm-hmm. called me and they're like, hey, somebody gave us your name and they said that you'd make a good pastor. And we just want to know if you were you were interested in doing that. And I was like, man, I don't feel called to be a pastor at all. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, like yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not my thing, man. And they're like, <laughs> no joke. This is what the chairman of the committee said. He's like, he's like, hey, man. He said, I'm glad to hear that. He said, because my brother wants to be the pastor. And he said, oh, he said, he <laughs> said, we don't want him. No, he's like, but the committee wants us to just look at somebody else so we can tell the church we looked at somebody else. And I noticed you're you're from around here. He's like, so would you just preach one Sunday so we can say we heard somebody else? You know what I mean? Oh gosh. Oh my goodness. Oh dude. So I was like, yeah, 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 for sure. That's like, they're paying for us to come to Florida and see our family. And that kind of is like, cool. So we go and preach, man. And I'm telling you, before we left that place, my wife and I uh, both, we looked at each other and we're like, man, we, we sense that the Lord may be calling us here. Well, the committee felt the mm. same way. And they voted on us, but man, hear this, like the, the vote consisted of 13 people, right? 13, mm-hmm. um, it was a hundred percent vote. Come on somebody, but it's 13 mm, people, right? Love it. Love it. Love um, it. Yeah. But, but my, my point is like, I have to go back there, right? Like I have to remember yeah. all the things yes. that God has yes. done. And then that, like, as I think about my life today and I think about my life, then, then certainly some things have changed, but as far as the, the beauty behind my calling and the purpose behind my calling, like that's that's never shifted. That's, that's where it starts. That's the yeah, same. Yeah. So I have to just keep, I have to keep like bringing myself there. We were living in a pastorium by vocational. Mm-hmm. I was teaching high school and mm-hmm. pastoring this church. And by God's grace, we were able to grow some and experience some cool things, but it's just really important to, to go back to the, the why so behind true. what we do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, on top of all the good guys start as youth pastors. Um, <laughs> you know, I love that. What a great, you know, what a great, uh, great story. One of the things you had s- said earlier, you talked about how you've got a group of guys around you who know you and love you anyways. Yeah. Uh, how do you, as a, a leader, I think this is such a critical piece. It's so hard to cultivate true friendships as a leader. Um, you know, we, it's, when we deal, when we're kind of dealers of trust, a part of what we do is, you know, we build trust with people and that's actually kind of vocationally built into what we do. Like we're constantly trying to gather people and gather teams and all that. It, it can sometimes be difficult to actually find folks who look beyond that and are just happy to be, you know, friends with you. How have you cultivated those relationships? What advice would you say to a leader who's listening in today saying, I don't, I don't have anybody like that in my life. Um, what, you know, what, what does that look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. Important to find those people. So for me, I, I really look to local, other local pastors. I think that's just mm-hmm. a really easy outlet for me. Um, mm-hmm. Connect with those guys. And man, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm not a golfer, but a lot of those guys like to golf. So I'll go tag along with them. And uh, <laughs> carry I play, Yeah, man, I, I play, I play uh, city league softball and mm-hmm. um, connect, connect with some of those guys through that. But Local pastors for me has been a really easy outlet, and most mm-hmm. of most of my closest friends that's that's what they do because I feel like they can they can understand you know some of the things yep. that we're walking through. They obviously yep. our spirits resonate mm-hmm. um, with that. So I, I would just encourage anyone listening if you're in ministry, like I know the the podcast revolves around the things that we wish we'd learned in seminary. So if you if you are mm-hmm. in ministry, uh, I think there's some easy parallels for you to maybe look at some other local churches around you and, mm-hmm. and just take mm-hmm. take somebody to lunch. And get to know mm-hmm. them, and it takes a while, like any relationship, to cultivate mm-hmm. that level that level of trust that you need. Um, but it's it's well worth it, man. If mm-hmm. you wait later on, you're going to wish you had done it sooner, right? So mm-hmm. like start so today, true. yeah, start today. Mm-hmm. Um, and and even if it begins with one person, that's okay. And, and mm-hmm. I'm not the guy. 
I think this is important as well. I'm not the guy that says stay away from friendships in your church. Mm-hmm. Um, there's mm-hmm. probably also some some folks in your church that are just awesome that man you yep. can befriend yep. and do life with and be very vulnerable and very honest with. I've got I've got a couple of those guys as well. So um, mm-hmm. don't don't shy away from people people within your church as well. Yeah, I love that. You know, another thing just to, to kind of tag on to that. I know, particularly if you're trying to find relationships with other folks in ministry, you know, there's a lot of like events and stuff you can go to as a church leader, but actually looking for some of those smaller, more intimate environments that are not like, you know, the, it seems like every stream of the Christian world, you have like the back when we used to do events, which I think they're coming back, by the way. Um, you know, you're used to, you know, there's like the huge conference, 2000 people, 5,000 people or whatever. And those are fine. They're fun. Uh, but then, you know, maybe look for something that's local or like a, you know, a local meetup or a, you know, a, a prayer thing with other pastors, you know, where there's, where there's a dozen people or 25 people, um, there's, you know, maybe a better chance of actually finding somebody in those, in, good word. Uh, in those environments. Good word, man. Seb, this has been fantastic. What a great, uh, great conversation. Anything else you'd like to share or kind of, you know, anything on your heart for leaders who may be listening in, uh, today, just as we wrap up today's episode. Yeah, just, man, just thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be on here. And something I shared with, with our pastors yesterday was something I read. I don't even know where I read it, but um, talked about the things that we can do. Like we all have regrets in life, right? Like every mm. one of us, you're going to go through ministry. You're going to go through life. You're going to have regrets in many ways mm. that that emotion of regret is like a wasted emotion if you live mm. in it um, because it, it really does nothing for you. And so mm. in, instead of like wallowing in that re- regret, think about the things that you can do that you'll never regret. So, so this has mm. been the, the encouragement that I've, you know, I've, I've, I've really, been able to receive on my own and, and share with our pastors here recently. Um, there's things we can do every day that we'll never look back on and say, man, I, I regret doing that. Like, man, you can smile mm. more every day. Mm. You can be the first to say you're sorry. You can love it. You can be the first to go and thank someone for something that they're doing. Mm. I mean, they're in, encouraging, giving someone an encouraging word. There's so many things that we can do every single mm, day so that we'll never look back on and say, I wish I hadn't have done that. Um, so for me, that just gives me, a, gives me some life. Right. So I know mm-hmm. ministry is hard. I know, man, I get it. I get how difficult, how challenging, um, even some of the challenges that you don't know how to articulate. It's just in mm-hmm. you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, think about the things that you can do that, that, you know, will, will, will give you a heart posture of joy. Uh, I think mm-hmm. of Paul in Philippians four, four, man, he says, rejoice in Lord always. Again, I say rejoice while he's mm-hmm. in prison. Like, how can he do that? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's something that God yeah. gives you. It's that peace yep. that surpasses all understanding. It's not mm-hmm. senseless or mindless, but you just can't always speak it. Right. It's something that mm-hmm. God does in you. It's good. And I think, I think that happens whenever we live a life of, man, I don't want to, I don't want to stay in self pity or in the, in the struggle. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in my own mind, you, you can, you can be held captive by that. And so I'm going to live mm-hmm. my life doing things that I know I can do that I'll never regret. And it, mm-hmm. it's interesting how God can use that to give us the right, um, the right spirit that we need as we continue on, press on, right? So yeah, I love that. Yeah, man, I love that, Zeb. This is so good. Really appreciate it. Appreciate your heart for leaders and for you know just taking a few minutes out of your day today to, you know, to share with us today. If people want to follow Apex, you know, kind of follow the story a little bit more, get a chance to kind of uh, plug in with you guys. Where, where do we want to send them online? Yeah, so apexbaptist.org is our mm-hmm. website. And through that, you can find, you know, our YouTube and Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that, all the things. 
I mentioned earlier, like I, I I'm not on social media. Um, <laughs> that's just, again, a personal choice. I, I love that yeah. others are and our church is right. So I'm not against yes. it. Um, <laughs> but, but I'm just not really good at telling you how to get there. But if you go to our website, yes, you can, you can find it. Like, you scroll down, you'll find it at the bottom. You can click on that. And I'm sure you can search for it too. Um, yeah, no, that's yeah, good. Man. That's great. Well, I really appreciate you being here today, Zeb. And I, yeah, I would encourage folks to 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 follow Apex, to follow some of the stuff that's going on. I think this uh, is a fantastic church and some really cool stuff even just came off this interesting rock the block stuff that was going on at the church and just lots of great things. So uh, thanks so much for being here and, and appreciate you pouring into us today, Zeb. Thank you, my brother. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.